but it tells us some really important and beautiful things. So I invite you to turn over with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 1 and read uh, through 14. This is the reading of God's Word. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is a reading of God's will, God's word, which is his will, so that works. The reading of God's word for us today. We do not have kingdom kids because we knew the play would take up a lot of time and that the message today will be a bit uh, short, more of a devotional in nature. I want to mention one thing before I get into it though. Uh, starting in 2023, we are going to be going through a reading plan together as a church and I'll be preaching mostly from that reading plan. And so I invite you to grab a copy of it and get ready for January, which is just a few weeks away. They're in the foyer and also on the back table. Looks like this. There's some prayer cards on the inside. I'm going to actually talk through this whole plan and everything involved in it on the first Sunday of the new year. So just grab it, look through it, familiar, familiarize yourself with it. And then um, starting in January, we'll get things kicked off reading this plan together. And it's going to be great. So I'm excited about that. So don't forget to pick one of those up on your way out. All right, let me pray for us briefly. And then we will take a look at God's word together. Father God, thank you for what your word says. The church is a body with many parts, many people doing different things in order to function in a way that would be pleasing to you and beneficial to one another. And, and today, as every Sunday is the case, it's a picture of that. Many people playing different parts, doing their role so that the body of Christ might be built up. And that was a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to see each and every Sunday. And we are just so blessed by our church family. And, and we pray now that as we approach your word, God, that you'd help us to uh, tune our ears to what you have to say to us. Open our minds to think clearly about how it applies to our lives so that we can, with our hands and feet, take what you have to share with us and live it out in our daily lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things I really like about the play is the way it ended. And the way it talked about how Jesus was born in a manger and to a place that was a manger is a place for animals and a feeding trough where you would feed the animals. And, and it talked about, if you heard the narration at the end, if, as I was reading it, talked about that Jesus came into a messy world. Now, most of you are probably either going to receive guests into your home around Christmas or you're going to go to someone's home. But I want you to just pretend for a minute people are coming to your house this Christmas. 
They're coming to your house. Now, what are you going to do as they, as you prepare for them to come to your house, right? You got to clean the place, right? You got to clean up the mess, right? Now, some of us, the way we clean is we take all of our stuff that is dirtying the house and we find a place that we can make sure no one ever goes into, right? We will lock it up. We will, we will put an alarm on it. And we will just stuff all of that stuff in that closet or spare bedroom or garage or outside or wherever. We're just going to stuff all that stuff somewhere. That's how many of you are in that camp? How many of you clean up the mess that way? Okay. All right. Okay. Some of the wives are like, yeah, I already knew that. All right. Okay. Now, there's another way to do it. That's where you fret so much that you clean everything, right? You get a toothbrush out and you are cleaning around the sink and everything and you are just worn out. And then when people arrive, you're thinking about, oh, I didn't get that cobweb in the closet that no one's ever going into. I didn't clean, you know, any of the baseboards or the window seals. And, you know, how many of you are in that camp? You even worry about the stuff you didn't clean after you cleaned everything you could possibly clean. Yes. Yeah. So we... Imagine people are coming to your house, and there's a mess. What are you going to do? You're either going to try to avoid the mess, or you're going to try to clean up the mess in a frantic, busy kind of way. Now, the truth is, is that it doesn't matter how much we try to hide it or how much we try to clean it up, our lives are messy. Our homes may be clean, our cars may be spotless, but our lives, we have to admit, are messy. And I personally like to avoid messes, especially like bodily fluids, you know, like the kids throw up and you got to clean that up. The toilet's dirty and you got to clean that. I want to avoid all of that. I want to avoid any mess that is created. I'd prefer just not to have to deal with it personally. But what we heard and what we see in the story of Christmas is that thank goodness, thank God, Jesus did not avoid the mess. God did not avoid our mess. We read in John 1.14, the very last verse I read, says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Uh, another translation, and I always think of this translation whenever I read that verse, it's called the message translation. It says the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. He entered into our mess. He saw our mess, and it didn't scare him away. He came anyways. He left the perfection of heaven for our messy world to interact with us, messy people. He walked around us. He was near the sick and the needy and the rebellious and those who struggled to believe and have faith, those who were hurting and those who were hurtful. He did not shy away from the mess that we created in the world. That's what Christmas, the story of Christmas is telling us. God is willing to enter into, step down into our mess, becoming like us, yet still being God in the flesh. He has moved into our neighborhood. And what that tells me is that God knows the mess, therefore I don't have to hide the mess. Now, just think for a second, you've got your dinner party, right? And you've got your invited guests, and you find out Jesus is coming to this dinner party at your house to celebrate Christmas with you. What would your response be? I would be in a panic, right? And based on our little survey up earlier, we would either be chunking everything we possibly could into a different room, or we would be cl 
cleaning up frantically. But Jesus doesn't come into the world just to have us hide or try to fix our mess. We don't, he's not asking us to avoid the mess that we're in. And in fact, we can't because he knows, right? He knows that we're messy. But oftentimes, if we're honest with ourselves, the mess that is our own life, we do. We try to either hide it or we try to fix it. Jesus coming into the world tells us a different story. It tells us that God sees the mess and he didn't avoid the mess. He came in order to clean up the mess. He comes into our neighborhood with a mop and a bucket in hand. Not to make us feel guilty. Not to make us work harder to clean up our own mess. But to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. So we can freely admit that we are messy. We don't have to pretend otherwise. And we don't have to try to fix it. We don't have to hide. We don't have to fix it. We can just be honest. And this is a, a warning from God's word, but I think it's also an encouragement. Out of 1 John, same guy who wrote the Gospel of John, in the first chapter in verses 8 and 9, he says, If we claim to be without sin, in other words, if we claim not to have a messy life, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yet, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Again, Jesus didn't come into our world, into our lives, naively thinking that we were squeaky clean and he was coming to a very clean place. The very way in which he came into the world, born into this stable, laid in a manger, tells us that he knew this world and the people in it were messy. And what this tells us in John is the only way for that mess to be cleaned up is to admit it's there, is not to try to hide it and not to try to fix it ourselves, which, of course, we cannot, but to simply confess with our mouths that we are sinners and believe that Jesus will forgive us. Now, something interesting I find in this verse, in verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. Why would it say just? Why is it just for Jesus to forgive our sins, right? We earned the penalty of our sins. That's on us. Why would it be just for Jesus to forgive? And the answer is clear. The justice of our forgiveness is that he's paid for it. And it would be unjust if you tried to pay for your own sin. There is not a double payment here. There's one payment, one person to come to clean up for us. And that's Jesus. So, Jesus comes into a messy world. So we don't have to hide our mess or try to clean up our mess. We just have to be honest that we are messy, that we are sinners. Now, imagine going back to the dinner party, that everything's set and everything's ready. You're not worried about the messy house. Maybe you're worried about the messy people that are coming. Maybe it's those relatives or friends that someone wanted to invite that maybe you didn't want to invite. And they're the mess that's coming to the house that you're worried about. Because Jesus loves us in our mess, we can love our messy selves and we can love our messy neighbors, our family and friends who are also messy. 
If we're honest with ourselves, messy people, we just kind of want to stay away, right? We, we, we may want to run from them because they make us feel uncomfortable or we want to avoid them because maybe they remind us too much of ourselves. Or maybe it's, it's just the, the pain of wanting to fix someone's mess and yet, of course, we can't. What are we to do with not just our mess, but like Jesus, we live in a messy world. Unlike Jesus, part of it's our fault. But what do we do with these messy people? How do we interact with them? Here's what God's word says that I think helps us tremendously. It tells us that God loves us. Therefore, we can love other people. God loves us in our mess. Therefore, we can love other people in their mess. One of the clearest verses in the scriptures that points out the way in which God loves us, specifically the way in which Jesus loves us, again comes from John in the 15th chapter in verse 9. Here, these are the words of Jesus. And this is maybe the most important thing I'll share with you this morning. So just hear this as clearly as you can. Jesus says these words in John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me. Now, how has the Father loved Jesus? Now, messy people may be hard to love, but Jesus is perfect. He would be easy to love. Messy people, sometimes we have an unconditional love relationship with them. But if they're perfect, like Jesus was perfect, it would be probably an unconditional love. And the fact that it's God loving Jesus, that tells us that his love would be perfect. As the Father has loved me, as God the Father has loved his perfect son, Jesus says, so I have loved you. Isn't that amazing? Love that verse. The very way in which God the Father loves his perfect son is the very way in which Jesus loves you. Now, what is that? how does that help us with messy people? It helps me because I realize I'm a mess. Jesus loves me perfectly. And that fills me up. And then what comes out? If you're filled up with something, it's going to come out. If I'm filled up with the love of God shown to me in Jesus, what's going to come out, love? When I'm around those messy people, myself included, I can love myself. And the Bible actually commands you to love yourself. I can love myself. I can love the people around me because this is how God has loved me. He doesn't pretend that I'm not messy. In fact, it's why Jesus came. He doesn't come to make me feel bad that I'm messy. He doesn't come to tell me and lecture me to work harder at being not messy. No, he comes to clean up the mess that I've created that I cannot possibly hide or clean up myself. And when I get that, when I understand that, when I'm filled up with the very love that God the Father has for the Son because Jesus loves me that way, now what comes out of me is love for others. And this is why Jesus came was not just for me. It was for others. And that's why the scripture says, you know what? You owe people your love. That's what Romans 13, 8 says. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Just as Jesus showed up into our messy world a couple thousand years ago, he's going to come again. And it could be a fearful thing for those who have been 
trying their whole lives to hide their mess or clean up their mess. But for those who have already let Jesus in with mop and bucket in hand to do his cleansing, his purifying work, when he comes again, it will be a celebration. And my prayer for each and every one of us is that we'll be in the celebrating camp that is looking forward to the return of Jesus because we know we've been made clean. That we would be of those who, who are looking forward to his return because we know that the love Jesus has for me, I've shared with others, that they may hear and know. God knows. He, he knows all about us. There's nothing hidden from him. And the Christmas story tells us God saw our mess and came for us anyways because he loves us the very same way the Father has loved him. Let's pray. Father God, I'll, I'll confess that sometimes we hear these things about how you love us, how Jesus loves us, and maybe our hearts are hard, or maybe we've heard it so many times we tune it out. And yet, if we look at the evidence of our life, we see a lack of love. We don't love ourselves well. We don't love other people well. Maybe we find it hard to believe that you would love us. Father, I pray that you would press into each of our hearts today. The Christmas story is, yes, we're messy. And yes, you love us. Your son Jesus coming into the world is the message to us that you love us in our mess, despite our mess. And Jesus came because of our mess, that we might have the hope of eternal life. And I pray everyone here would know that hope. That by a simple confession of sin and a belief in Jesus, setting aside the striving to hide our mess or clean up our mess, but just knowing that we can't do those things. It's all grace in Jesus that to know that, to have that confidence, that just as Jesus came into the world, he will come back and we might be ready. This is what we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to invite you to stand with me now. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we do, if you need prayer today for whatever the Lord has laid on your heart, I invite you to come forward. I'd be glad to pray for you. Of course, as always, you can pray where you're at, pray with those around you. But if you need prayer, you come, and let's respond to the Lord as he's led us to this morning.